For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network, the only place of the show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Yes, this is your co-host, Anthony Cerdelli. And with me, as always, my esteemed fellow co-host on the line down at his home in Orange County, uh, Ken Huskins. Ken, how you doing? Anthony, good man, doing well. Thanks. Sunday night here. This is uh, yeah, it's the second time we've done this. I guess when when uh, when all else fails, this is kind of the uh, hey, we got to get this thing done. Though. Get uh, get our weekly installment in here. Yeah, the late the late night episode, but that's good because usually there's a lot of stuff that happens. If uh, there was no Sunday game tonight, but uh, there was a big uh, Saturday one the Ducks had that we uh, we could both digest, I think. And uh, besides that, we're going to be going going over a little bit of Edmonton, Detroit games, San Jose, and St. Louis. Uh, three losses, one in overtime, and then a win, a big win against those defending Stanley Cup champions. Um, yeah. And before we get started, we can uh, you can find us as always on your favorite. Uh, podcast directories. It's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on your social accounts. You can find me at Delhi Tweets on Twitter. That's D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T-S. And you can find Kent at Huskverna. That's H-U-S-K under dash V-E-R-N-A on Instagram. And you can find him at his coffee shop. He's working there for quite a bit. <laughs> oh, nice. That's right. Yeah, a lot these days. Just extended hours for the fall. So kind of all hands on deck here. Very nice. A lot of, uh, once the sunlight starts to go away, you need a lot more caffeine to stay awake, I find. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So let's get into it. Uh, so it was a little bit of a rough week for the Ducks, especially to start out with, uh, they first, they fall to Edmonton in a, a game where you could pretty much see, uh, they were really missing Josh Manson. And, uh, I think Lindholm was out for that one. Yeah. Lindholm was out for that one as well. And, uh, really just had a lot of trouble with the Edmonton Oilers top line and their power play. Uh, what did you see in that game? Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, definitely missing those guys and just a team that's been playing, uh, playing really well under uh, a new coach. They found some chemistry. They're two, uh, two big guns, McDavid and Dreisaitl, are just absolutely lighting the league on fire. It's crazy. They're putting up points like guys did in the 80s. Like this <laughs> is uh, like the clip that they're at is just insane. But uh, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, they kind of ran into a bit of a buzzsaw there. I thought they, they actually played played pretty well. Uh, I wasn't, I mean, 6-2, yeah. But uh, I think an, another game where uh, they had their chances. Um, yeah, I mean, probably it's rare that this 
you can say this, but uh, yeah, probably uh, probably give his not not his best night. But uh, like I say, I mean, those are few and far between with that guy. And I mean, it's just such a difficult lineup uh, with the things they throw at you and the players they have. And I just kind of went through basically rewatched all the goals and kind of gave them a grade out of 10 on, on difficulty. I think that the first one, that's a tough one to give up. And I think you kind of saw in the replay that uh, Gibby was even kind of like kicking himself after that one, like kind of looking up and almost smiling about like, what else can you do after that? It's just one of those plays where you probably think you have the angle and cover it and it just squeaks through uh, your armpit or just somehow finds a little bit of daylight. And uh, I think that's got to be probably a frustrating one to give up. The second one, uh, the shot right along the ice. And I know that that probably looks like a pretty stoppable puck, but it's just, it's kind of the whole speed uh, being the, the extreme wild card. When you have a guy that moves like uh, McDavid flying into the, the zone on the entry, it, it's just, like, there's basically no one else in the league. Maybe McKinnon or maybe I, – I just – you'd be hard-pressed to find another guy skating with that kind of speed coming into the zone. And uh, it, it just has to throw you off. So he's trying to kind of match speed as, he, as he's coming to the net. And he just – he caught him off guard with the shot. I think he surprised him. Wasn't expecting to shoot. And that's always the, the danger – of uh, or always the, the dangerous nature of having that quick release why they always kind of all these goal scores it's not always uh how hard the shot is or how perfectly placed it is a lot of it's on the release and deception and that was it didn't look like he was going to shoot and then all of a sudden he just zips it along the ice and kind of right under the pad and kind of looked a little awkward but uh then you have Nugent Hopkins shot. Um, that was pretty much a perfect shot. On the power uh, play there, that that roof job, like upper 90, to use a soccer yeah, term, huh? <laughs> yeah. that's And he kind of shot it around. I'm not sure who that was in the slot, but that's just a perfect shot. So that one I had as a nine. Uh, the Cassian, uh, where he kind of broke in off the wing, I had a... Um, I think that was... Maybe some nuance uh, stuff, but I mean, this is not, um, as a defenseman, I, I kind of, my knowledge of the mechanics of goaltending is limited, but that's <laughs> looked like to me like a bit of a, a misread or a misplay, or he was going to maybe poke Jack and then decide not to or something. And so I, I think that was, I had that as kind of a weaker one as well on par with the first one. But I mean, after that, I think, uh, David's second goal is just kind of like you can throw everything else out the window. That was just a sick ball, my yeah. God! Like, yeah, uh, that was just something you just gotta kind of sit back and and clap for. That was that was kind of otherworldly. That to to go down on one knee at full speed and not break stride, and then somehow skate backwards and sideways, and then like roof it. Like 
against one of like the best goalies in the league. That's that was a crazy, crazy goal. And then last one is power play, just kind of zipping it around everywhere and um, changing sides, and, and the puck goes in. So I don't know. It, it was a tough one, a tough lineup that's playing well and playing with a lot of confidence, and um, just wasn't a wasn't a good a good uh, a good result. But I mean, like. Like I like I think we've said before, like you're, you're gonna have those nights with so much youth in the lineup, and you just gotta keep keep putting guys out there. And a lot of times, that's how you learn is make mistakes, and uh, you can't. You have to learn how to recover from mistakes. You have, there's there's always lot, almost more to more to learn from your mistakes, and then more development to take place in those kind of games. And the and the the following couple of days, uh, we can kind of look back and coach and and uh review the tape and that kind of thing so yeah always looking for progress is the name of the game i think uh over the course of this season for sure and just uh turn it into a, a learning experience i i think it's probably what uh what we're looking for yep and uh to borrow a line i don't know if you've seen the movie from uh basketball what an unfortunate thing to happen on free hat night uh that the opponent gets a, <laughs> a hat trick <laughs> Oh, well played. Yeah, great reference. Yeah. Um, uh, and heading into the Detroit game, you, you, you kind of you kind of um, transitioned to something I wanted to talk about well, and that was learning, uh, kind of learning opportunities and, and for my take, kind of the youth on the ice. And we've talked a lot about um, Dallas Eakins being willing to put his young players in difficult positions in high-pressure situations, um, and, and that's good for their long-term development. But I wonder, there was a situation uh, in overtime that, uh, I, on the game, uh, game-ending goal that the Red Wings had where I wonder if maybe, just for the sake of trying to bust out of that losing streak, there might have been better suited with more experience on the ice. And that was the final play, uh, basically, that Detroit won on, where Sam Steele has the puck in his defensive, or excuse me, in the uh, wing's offensive zone. He's carrying it. He kind of looks at Andre Kasha, who makes a, he mo- Kasha motions with his glove, and Steele flips the puck. Uh, it was hard to tell. It looked like he was trying to flip the puck out of the zone to Josh Maher, and it looked from what Kasha was doing, skating towards the bench, like that's what he was trying to tell Steele to do. But Mahura and Steele, there was a crossed, some crossed wires there. That results in a foot race that actually Ryan Miller wins, clears the puck over to the kind of the side of the neutral zone, and that's when Detroit wins that battle and ends up getting that rush and uh, Dennis Chalowski's game-winning goal. Do you, first of all, is that, am I reading that right? Kind of, was that your impression of what went on, that miscommunication? And then second, is there is there a time, would you have put maybe a, a more experienced forward out there instead of Steele? Because you've got Steele and Mahur out there and then Kasha, who's a veteran. But um, I'm wondering if you tr- if you want to break out of a slump or kind of limit the uh, t- opportunities against you, if that if that's maybe the, the thing to do. Sorry, that was a mouthful. Um, yeah, I guess personally, I don't really have a problem with it. I thought, uh, I think Maher has been really good. Uh, I had, a, had that nice, uh, you know, talking about the, the snipe from Nugent Hopkins. He had a, a nice uh, snipe kind of through traffic, barring in. Nice goal. He's played a lot of minutes and he's played well, deservedly so. Like, he's he's earned his he's earned his minutes. He's, he's uh Playing well in the power play, playing well uh, across the board. I think he's looked looked good. So I think, yeah, when you, when you see guys kind of making that kind of strides, a young player making that, you want to reward him and put it in the put him in situations like that where he can kind of uh, 
grow and learn and, and get a gain experience. And yeah, that, that's part of the equation. I think on that play, um, I watched it a few times and I just saw the puck. I didn't see steel with the puck. I just saw the, the puck kind of squirt back out of the, uh, like back into the neutral zone. And I saw Kacha kind of waving. Uh, I thought it looked like he was waving to, uh, like he saw the puck kind of going back, but I don't know if he was late in the shift and didn't have the legs to get it. So he was kind of waving Mahura to try and go chase it down. But I guess there might have been some miscommunication there, but Will Wiley, veteran, pulled Miller, uh, Ryan, <laughs> flying out of the net, chips it out to safety. And so there was no real problem there. Um, it was kind of a loose 50 50 puck that um, ended up. Detroit kind of came out of that, but then even coming down the game-winning goal, you're playing three-on-three. That's usually a shot you're pretty comfortable giving up, like kind of from the outside, basically almost on the face-off dot. Like that's not a that's not a dangerous shot usually. It just kind of um, you basically shot it shot it through. I guess that would have been Mahara back there and just kind of shot it through and just kind of snuck through the armpit and just kind of, uh, I mean, I guess give him the benefit of the out and call it a, a skilled, well-placed shot either that or it was lucky and just kind of went in. But yeah, I don't really, I don't have a problem with that. And like I say, it wasn't like they, uh, they gave up like a, a two on O breakaway or anything like that. Like it's, it's kind of, it was just a, a good shot. Got made a good shot. Kind of uh, give it to him. And yeah, it was a hard fought game against another kind of another young team, another young scrappy, fast team with a lot of youth. Probably fitting it went to overtime and, and then are just, just a bounce, I think. Uh, but no, I, I didn't really have a problem with that, having those guys out there together. And it's something you have to do if you're, uh, if you're kind of going to be real about this being a process like you have to be willing like it's not always going to be rosy there's going to be mistakes are going to happen like i say that's an as important part of development as when uh, as success too yeah and i think uh i mean that is a good point that's probably why uh, one of the many hundreds of thousands of reasons why i'm not an nhl coach um <laughs> but I, I mean the the sticking it's I, I guess you're right in a way it's good that eakins is sticking to his guns he his players know what to expect they know that they're going to be rewarded for playing well and uh that they're going to be given another chance uh if you're if they make a mistake and a learning opportunity i just thought in that in that particular situation that that miscommunication was interesting to me because i just found the the replay there, I found, it took me a while to find one where you could actually go back far enough to see the the uh, the puck on steel stick, but it looked like he tried to saucer pass it, and I I think I know, I think Kasha was try- telling him to get it back to Mahura so that he and he and um, steel and steel and Kasha could change, they could retain possession of the puck, and then kind of I mean because it's such a big deal with three on three overtime to keep possession that. Yeah. It, I think that's what yeah, they were going that's, for. That's true. So that, I think that's that might be the difference. Is I I wasn't able to to find that uh, elusive replay that uh, that you had. So I just saw the puck go back in the neutral zone. But if that is the case, then yeah, it's a mistake. But but all the same, I, I think the the end the end kind of uh, summary of of my 
my takeaway from it is if that's kind of your direction as a franchise, then I mean, that's not, um, that is a, a coaching call as well. But I mean, these things are, are often kind of decided on, on how uh, strategies are going to run, I think kind of organizationally too. And if you're, if you're organizational and the philosophy that, um, yeah, we're going to definitely uh, do everything we can to win now, but uh, but realize that the part of the, the long term for this franchise is these young players and, and they have to play in these situations and give give them license to make mistakes. And I think, and I think you're right, too. I mean, I think that's also an important thing that uh, that Bob Murray knew what he was getting when he when he. Uh, when he hired Eakins, he's not hiring a guy like Claude Julian or someone who who's who's a win now coach. He's hiring a developmental guy who who's had success at the lower levels and who's who's willing to stick to his guns. So I, I see where you're yep. coming from there for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, we'll just we'll, we'll see. We're, we're both we're both right. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the San Jose game. Uh, I heard you were fraternizing with the enemy before uh, before San Jose, huh? <laughs> ah, yeah, no, it was it was good seeing uh, some of the old the old guys up there, and yeah, after uh, getting traded from uh, Anaheim over there, I had a couple of great years, and um, yeah, still some. Some old friends on that team and uh and great guys so uh yeah i went in in the morning and uh brought some lattes to the uh the training staff and still basically the entire same uh same team with all the trainers and uh and staff still working there for the team so went in and had a had a good chat and hung out with them saw some of the old uh, teammates there as well so it was fun to see those guys also right. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the most interesting thing happened off the ice, and this is the uh, this is the New England born and bred Boston sports radio uh, <laughs> paranoia straw man argument side of me. But there was a little interesting uh, thing that happened. So Delorier gets in that fight in the first, uh, and this is all social media. I could be making it up completely, but uh, Delorier nice. gets in the fight in the first period of the game, and I tweeted out. Delorier knows why he's in the why he's in the lineup because he's I mean he's been fighting a lot and I mean he brings an important uh, not to take away yep. from what he's been doing uh, on the ice as well because we'll talk later about he had a, played a bit a pretty big part in Derek Grant's hat trick, um, yeah, but uh, he's he's a he's a gritty guy he knows what he needs to stay in the lineup and he happened to be playing more after Max Comtois gets sent down to the AHL so all of a sudden I get all these notifications on my phone and likes and retweets and I'm like what what the hell is happening like I don't have this big of a Twitter following and they definitely don't like what I have to say (laughs) so um sure enough Max Comtois retweeted my uh my Delorier tweet and I was like that's kind of weird like I wonder what he's wonder what he's trying to say and then the next morning it was gone he had deleted it so I'm like huh what could he possibly be uh, be doing? And I, I, I'm, I mean, obviously not to stir anything up, but I see you, Max. I think you're, I think you're a little miffed that you're back down in the AHL, where uh, you maybe don't think you should be when you've got uh, Deloria in there fighting every night. But not to make any, not not to stir anything, but uh, it was it was curious. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, the social media, yeah, world. That's uh, wow. They can get yeah. you. They can get you in trouble. But he deleted it, so I think uh, 
I mean, I, I can see where he's coming from. He, he played pretty well, in my opinion. And I've always been a big Max Comtois fan since last year. And he he uh, he scored that first goal of his career so quickly. And he, he's had a demonstrated ability to score at every level. He's physical. He's a good leader from from what people say. So I am a, I am on the Max Comtois bandwagon. I'm also not off the Delorier bandwagon because Nicholas Delorier because he's uh, he's he's a pretty good uh, he's a pretty good player as we saw in uh, in the St. Louis game. If you're are you, did you have anything to add from San Jose or are you are you ready to move on to St. Louis? Uh, no, I think uh, that that's just that's really interesting to me that kind of sequence of events with the social media thing because yeah i i thought i i agree that uh Kongfa has played well i think with uh with a higher a higher end prospect i think there's always a big picture thinking behind uh what happens and i guess i don't really I don't know enough about the, the circumstances or kind of, I mean, what we see on the, on the TV and what you see in games is definitely, um, you know, it's a, it's a result oriented uh, business because professional sports, obviously, but um, there, there's a lot more that goes into things than the 15 minutes that these guys play on the ice. I mean, there's, uh, practice habits, uh, you know, how you carry yourself as a professional, how you a teammate, like, I'm not saying there's any, any issues there. I'm just saying that those are examples. It's kind of the, the global, um, the global nature of development and, and what they're, they're looking for of each guy in each case, uh, as we've said before, each case is so unique and each personality these, these guys are all like, you know, 20, 21, 22 year old kids. And I think as all of us, the same thing, you know, how much you can tell you, I know how much of an idiot I was at at 21. And and you just, uh, I think you just have so much growth uh, that you go through in in those years of kind of uh, forming yourself as a pro. And and, uh, I think, yeah, the organization's trying to, Get the most they can out of him, and and uh, if that's kind of what they feel is necessary now, I I, I don't know. I he's, just it's hard to say, but um, I I think he's played great. I think he's a great player. Yeah, like the physical, high end skill. But I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. Stuff to say with that, but Delorier uh, is also. I mean, I think he, he's done a great job. Definitely has has a role that he fills. And I said this when they uh, when they signed him. I think when we first started, like to get those depth signings right, that stuff matters to the team. And I, I think it was a great signing. He's played well, um, added to a very effective fourth line, and to uh, provide that physicality uh, makes other defensemen. I know I can play from experience. Makes you. Uh, sometimes rush things, you know, and if you kind of get dinged a couple times, get your face put in the glass, then uh, you tend to kind of rush things, which can lead to turnovers or what have you. And then the fight, I mean, that just uh, that just lifts the whole team. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. I, I think it's just something that's um, 
for whatever reason, Mika Hockey is kind of um, has that ability to, to really fire up a team and be kind of a rallying uh, thing for the group. So I think he's done he's done a great job as well as uh, as every deserving of uh, of his minutes and appearances and games played as anyone. Absolutely. And on that note, let's get to the St. Louis game. So you were talking about going back there, being physical with uh, the opponent's defense, and that is exactly what Delorier did. Uh, I forgot who the defenseman was, but uh, I think it was the it might have been their first line. It might have been Shattenkirk, uh, or sorry, not Shattenkirk, Petrangelo. He's um, uh, to uh, he hit to uh, and Petrangelo just coughs the puck up right in front of the net, and Grant puts it in. So uh, that's a uh, that right there is a. a, a Pretty much exactly what you're talking about. He he uh, he. I don't think he got an assist on the play, but he should have because that was pretty much exactly uh, what caused it. Yeah, that gets dumped in, kind of around the around the end wall. He goes back to get it. What he's looking to do is just uh, a little second quick or a little bump to the middle. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it just kind of and, and Delorier comes flying in, and yeah, I mean as a defenseman, you're you're aware of who of who's on the ice and. I don't care how how much grit and, and the competitor that you are, like no one likes getting hit, and especially by a guy that can put some some hurt on you. And, um, but yeah, I, I think he well, maybe rushed it uh, just for a tenth of a second, but he's he was just trying to bump it, uh, maybe absorb a little bit of contact, and then bump it to the the forward in the middle, and. Uh, or if that threw off the time there or whatever happened, he ended up bumping it and it hit Delorier's skate. And yeah, it popped right in front of the net. And there's uh, Derek Grant right there, Johnny on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a, it was a, a good good uh, gritty goal. Um, and I think that game, St. Louis, really felt to me like a microcosm of the month of November. Only it ended in a win. Gibson plays really well uh, overall. I, I would say venture to say he and Grant were the reasons that uh, the Ducks won that game. But uh, uh, the first goal Gibson lets up on uh, Vince Dunn is is kind of uh, similar to the one he gave up in Edmonton. I wonder if uh, if Dunn had been maybe scouting that that pad area, that long hard shot along the ice, kind of try to slide it under the pad. Uh, because um, it looked pretty familiar from early in the week, but he recovers, plays really well, and uh, ends up kind of stealing the Ducks a victory in that game, I would say. Yeah, I mean, that, that's yeah, that, that's probably for the rest of the season, that's going to be their recipe. Um, I mean, it's always going to include uh, amazing goaltending, I think, for, for them. For them to win games, I mean, for any team to win games these days, your, your goaltending has to be top-notch. And I, I think that's uh, a very valid point, and that is definitely not uh, a mistake. We saw a similar, uh, similar goal because these days, I mean, there's, there's a million camera angles. There's video for days, and guys watch it. Guys spend hours watching video, and you can be guaranteed that um, like this was kind of starting as I was kind of finishing up, you'd have all your, your pre-scout of the other, uh, the other teams. So obviously you'd have your power play penalty kill all their five on five tendencies, but there was always a goalie scout before complete with video and it was getting more detailed and detailed every year. So 
you can be guaranteed that they're, they're showing them that, yeah, I mean, if you're short side, like this went in. So don't be afraid to shoot that from this angle. And also, I was curious, uh, I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but it was another uh, phenomenal shot in the San Jose game that was basically same release point and same, almost exact same shot as the Nugent Hopkins goal. Uh, Tomas Hurl had an almost identical goal. So that's just kind of, yeah, seeing those two things, I just don't think that's a, that's a mistake. And that, that's the interesting kind of nature of uh video and the, the connectivity of everything uh even plus yeah to hockey especially in sports but uh but yeah um so that game yeah that goal um by done but then yeah just basically shut the door for the rest of the night some amazing saves and just awesome to see Derek grant uh a guy like that I think he's played phenomenal all year. I can't believe he only has four or five goals. It seems like every highlight package is getting a breakaway or two-on-one shorthanded. Him and Rowney are always there on the net getting these awesome chances. But um, those guys have been playing great. You can see him get rewarded with a hat-trick and awesome way to finish it, too. Um, kind of the, that sequence of the, the, the empty net or just a small thing, but how he gets the puck at the blue line and instead of kind of all or nothing with the uh, eyes as big as uh, sauces, just thinking about me, 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 and that third goal, he, his first priority is to bump it over to, to Ryan, uh, just to let a better chance of kind of getting it out of the zone. And then same thing from him, just instantly, just no brainer, easily kind of does a little snap uh, back kick up to the, uh, up to his back end and just knocks it back over to, I mean, he could have had the empty enter easily, but knocked it back over to Grant to go in and get the hat trick. That was good, uh, good unselfishness, good leadership, and uh, an awesome way to, to polish off the W. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a uh, great, great leadership by Getzlav there. And now uh, Derek Grant gets to name one of his friend's uh, kids, apparently. if that, that was the bet he made over the summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Derek. Um, and just a last note there, the, uh, the hit on, um, Gibson, but I think it was Sunquist. Uh, I might be getting, I might be getting the guy wrong, but that, that right there is what you're going to expect from the blues. I mean, they, they like to play, uh, cross the line physically. Sometimes they play right on the line, but they, they, they ex- pretty much did exactly what they have done all season and last season is that push the limits physically and, and, uh, kind of wear you down. But it was, I thought uh, that was something that I I don't know, maybe I haven't noticed it in the Ducks this season, but uh, I was impressed that they were able to withstand that and, and give it back a little, which was which was good to see because, they, I mean, they, they've always kind of been known as a physical team, especially under Randy Carlisle, but this season with the focus more on the younger players and uh, uh, trying to just kind of see what they have as a group, you, you kind of forget about the physicality, but they withstood it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, it was a great win against the tough team, but... Uh... Yeah, it's proven, proven to be a, a difficult opponent for uh, for a lot of teams and to play there in a home a Saturday night home game. It was a Saturday night, a Saturday home game anyways. Uh, yeah, impressive all around, no doubt. So the uh, 
the Ducks have a tough schedule coming up. It doesn't get any easier. They play the, uh, the after playing the last year's Stanley, def, the current defending Stanley Cup champions, they play the champions before that, the Capitals, then they go down to Florida, play the Panthers, then the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they've got a, uh, even though the Lightning have struggled a little bit, they have a tough schedule ahead of them. And I think uh, as much as I thought the last couple weeks were important for them to play well and, and bank some points, this, if they can bounce back and grab a win in the next, I mean, if you include St. Louis, maybe take two of four on this road trip against such strong competition, I won't have given up. Uh, I won't have given up hope that that they can remain competitive until the end of uh, until the uh, until the playoffs. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, the pattern continues of them being able to elevate for uh, for the top level opponents. I mean, it was. I don't think uh, too many people out there ex- expected after the, the way things have been going for them to bounce back with that kind of performance against the Blues. So. Yeah, that's uh, those games are easy to get up for. You know, you have to uh, to bring your best, and there's kind of uh, without that, it just kind of adds a way of, of sharpening things up and uh, making sure everyone's alert to all the details. And, um, so yeah, hopefully they can pull it off again. Absolutely. So let's get to the three stars of the game or of the podcast in this case. Today we're going to be talking favorite either play-by-play or color commentators from your uh, from around the league. Uh, I know, I, I'm sure, Kent, that even before and after your career in the hockey, you were a fan, you watched it on TV. So who for you are your three favorites? Okay, so the first one by far uh, is just uh, an easy one, just a love. Growing up, uh, watching the <clears throat> Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, it was always Bob Cole. Uh, that guy was just an icon and uh, just kind of synonymous with hockey. And um, any big game or in playoffs, always had the best calls, always had like the, the great little nuances that kind of just had a, a kind of steely kind of voice too and just had a way of uh, catching the excitement and, and adding to it uh obviously kind of uh, a blatant homer for the maple leafs uh, <laughs> at times but uh, still just just added to the to the effect and um just one of my favorite nuances was when he would come down and someone would would fire a shot wide. You know, sometimes like give the measurement, like oh, I missed the net by seven feet. Or something. <laughs> just had like the precise measurements out. Just all of the those great little things. But he was just iconic, and and yeah, he's got to be my favorite of all time. I think the other one, I another great one that I, I didn't know a lot about until I uh, my best friend and roommate uh, from uh, Clarkson was the Buffalo guy, and he taught me all about uh, the, the generetism. We talked about uh, Mayday, I think it was last week, you know, which was one, but he said this guy had so many gems of a call, like just over the years. Like, Wowie Housley, I was just crying off all these things, but just the, the, the levels his voice would get to with the it's crazy like borderline I don't know it's not like shrieking but he just gets so into it I don't know I, I know you're supposed to be impartial but I always think it's funny and I'll get a little bit of the Homer 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got him on my list. I'll go into I'll go into a couple of my favorites of his as well, but I'll let you finish up too. Yeah, and then I think uh, a couple more. I guess one. I think <laughs> and in that vein of, of uh, home team enthusiasm, kind of more more so current. Uh, I I think uh, Randy Hunt, San Jose, I think does a really nice job. Uh, I think he's does a good job of kind of adding excitement and uh, just has, has a really good good voice and kind of adds a lot to the excitement of the game. Uh, but uh, kind of be remiss we didn't mention the, the local crew, John Allers and Brian Hayward, I think are, uh, do a phenomenal job uh, and uh, great guys too. So I always, uh, always appreciated them uh, as a player, the way they kind of did things, explained the game. Um, Johnny was always did a great job with the play-by-play, and then the way Brian Hayward kind of break breaks things down. Um, always kind of like with a great kind of educational sense of like kind of explaining the, the nuances of the game, and um, you know tends to steer more positive, which I think is. As a player, I always kind of appreciate that, and not um, something like, yeah, I just—I'm not going to say a name, but the idiot who used to do our games up in San Jose, a guy <laughs> would just like throw guys under the bus, like left and right, like just—I don't know—he just self-serving to the max, like just wanted to try and like. I really never really understood that to be honest without the need to throw guys under the bus and just bash guys and then be their best friend the next day on the team play. It was just, I don't know. Wasn't a big fan of that. So I always appreciate the guys who, uh, who can make things interesting without kind of, uh, throwing other guys to the wolves and, uh, going all, uh, living in negative town all the time. Yeah, that's understandable. I I agree with Allers and and Hayward. Uh, I met uh, John for the first time at the uh, the the rookie class or the rookie tournament. And he, he I mean, I just introduced myself, and he could not have been nicer. He's a, a real good guy, and I like kind of his uh, his his little sayings that he has, like takes the mail and uh, serves up a pizza, and uh, yeah. what does he say? Dust br- brushes it off or dusts it off. I like I like his little sayings he's got. Those are he sneaks them in there pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of class acts and, and great guys for sure. But uh, so who uh, who would your three? So yeah, I've got uh, obviously in the kind of the vein you had of Bob Cole. I had uh, 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 wow, I cannot believe I'm having this brain fart right. Doc Emmerich. That's the worst. That's the worst brain fart maybe I've ever had. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, just like you, he's he's been the big games that I've listened to, and then the the Stanley Cup playoff games in the United States, and he has such a great. Caden, such a great, obviously everyone knows his kind of wealth of verbs and everything. And he just, I mean, he, uh, his, to me, his voice is, 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 is big hockey as well. I love his, uh, back in the 1996 world cup of hockey. I was, I think I was only in third grade, but I just remember him screaming, Amante breaks the tie. I was like, had a little kid boner on that one. Yeah. Um, and also when he misses, sometimes he hits somebody hits the post or misses the net, and he just goes miss the net with the shot. He sounds like he's gonna have a brain aneurysm. Um, 
but he's great. I love Rick Jenneret too. Uh, uh, he's got so many good highlights and so many good. I love the uh, la 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 Fontaine. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Where well, then going to where when the. I think they forced game seven against New Jersey and he said, we're going to where Jimmy Hoffa's buried. <laughs> like <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, he's just, he's, he's got that kind of pizzazz that I like in, in play by play guys. And then the last one is uh, definitely a legend as well. And I wish he'd get back to doing hockey more is Gary Thorne. He, he had, I mean, obviously has the legendary call with Paul Korea off the floor on the board. He was, yes. uh, he's, he's great. And it, it pains me to hear him have to, call such a boring sport as baseball and I, I i played baseball up until through through a few couple years of college so i feel like i'm allowed to uh to disparage a little bit but he's so much better suited as a hockey play-by-play guy yeah yeah that's right and then uh i guess honorable mention for me would be uh the current las vegas golden knights tv play-by-play guy dave gosher he used to do the radio for the bruins and uh one of my fonder memories is hearing him call their 2011 stanley cup championship on their on the radio that get the ducks boat yeah excuse me get the duck boats ready call so he's also got a fond place there but uh yeah i think i think that'll do it anything else you want to add uh, what about, uh, I know he's a kind of, uh, love him or, or hate him kind of guy, but Jack Edwards. Ah, he's, I, he's, I, I mean, there's a place for hit what he does. Like he, he, he's obviously, um, a favorite of the, of the local Bruins, <laughs> uh, fans, but he's, I don't know. He's worn out his welcome with me. I used to love him when I was, when I was younger and gung ho about, about the Bruins. But now that I kind of. I, I like the art of play-by-play as much as I like to hear the guys do it. And I think the ones who can, um, and obviously he works for Nesson, so he's got to be a little bit, I mean, they encourage, I'm sure more than many other networks encourage the homerism. So uh, it's not like he's committing a crime, but uh, I it, it's kind of worn out. It's welcome for me. I like, I like the neutral guys, I, I mean, uh, that are not so... Uh, I guess blind to what's going on on the other side of uh, on the other on the other bench. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right, so I think that'll do it for episode eleven. Uh, we will see you next week, and we're working on some more uh, some more content, some more interviews for you guys. And uh, on top of that, you can also, like I said at the top of the show, find us on all your favorite podcast directories: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Luminary, and TuneIn at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts uh, on your social accounts. You can find me at Delhi Tweets on Twitter and Kent at Huskverna, that's H-U-S-K under dash V-E-R-N-A on Instagram. Feel free if you want to uh, ask us any questions or give us any uh, any sort of requests that you want for the show, things you want to hear us talk about because we'd uh, we'd love to have your feedback. Anything else, uh, anything else you want to add? That's it. No, well said. Well done. Cool. Have a good night and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.